Welcome in to the Wednesday Bible Study, uh, coming from the Rick and Bubba Broadcast Plaza and Teleport. Glad you guys are here in the room, and thanks to all of you that are watching and listening. Uh, you may be anywhere in the world, but we're glad that you're here with us. We are walking through the Gospel of John. Uh, as you found out, every, it seems like every week now I'm having to correct something because back when we used to do, you know, when we went through books of the Bible, we went chapter by chapter, so I knew what section we were on. I realized last week I said we were on part eight, and we were actually on part nine, but I don't know if that matters or not. But anyway, uh, today would be part 10, even though we are still in chapter 5. See how confusing that gets? Uh, but anyway, if you want to go back through the nine other sessions of the Gospel of John, they're all right here at the Rick and Bubba YouTube channel. If you're watching, just go click Playlist. You'll see all the Bible studies, and, and they're in order, and you can go back and pick up any of those you missed. Other places to get past Bible studies, uh, rickandbubba.com. You can click on Listen, uh, and also the podcast channel, uh, Rick and Bubba podcast channel has uh, the archive there every week for you as well. Uh, also, some things you need to know uh, as you're thinking about it and got some emails from other people around the country. If you're ever wanting to know where, where I will be coming to speak, and, and in 2020, uh, the speaking schedule is already up. Uh, there at BurgessMinistries.com under event. you can also events. You can also find it at RickandBubba.com under events. And, and go check that out. You never know, especially the 2020 schedule. is pretty extensive and uh, be going a, a lot of different places, and even some markets that, that we've never been. And also be standing by for the official launch of, of, a, of a men's ministry hub called TheManChurch.com that will enable churches or small groups all over the country to implement uh, the Man Church strategy of discipleship uh, with your group or the men of your church, and uh, we'll let you know when that is up and running, uh, and we're getting very close to announcing that. So those are some things you want to pay attention to. If you're going to be in the Birmingham area, uh, which is where our home base is located at Shades Mountain Baptist Church, the next man church that we will have will, will feature James Merritt uh, from Atlanta. He'll be coming in and addressing our men, and that'll be the last Sunday in January, on January, I believe, 26. So uh, those are some notes that you can make. Uh, let's open up uh, with a word of prayer, and we'll dive in to what God has for us today. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you um, for, for today clarifying exactly what you did for all mankind. Today, you, you, you could not make it more clear to us uh, that um, you know, in, in the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, certainly, uh, as the great Adrian Rogers said, if you, if you try to completely comprehend the Trinity, you might lose your mind, but if you reject the Trinity, you will lose your salvation. Uh, and today, uh, we, will, we will go through your words as you made crystal clear to us that the Father and the Son are one. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So this is the big moment in, in James chapter 5. If you remember last week, uh, we went ahead and read these verses, but after we finished, you know, now Jesus is starting to get some opposition uh, from the Pharisees and the religious leaders, and they're trying to find ways to corner him and, and this whole thing about healing on the Sabbath, and we took that on uh, last week. But the last thing that was said when we left last week was in verse 18. It said this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath by their standards, uh, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. So that kind of that jumps us into today because I mean we're we're going to only have one two three four five words that are in black ink. The rest of today will all be in red letters. So th this is going to be Jesus. No one's speaking on his behalf. This is going to be Jesus clarifying this once and for all because uh, he knows the heart of men. And 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 you look at Jesus going. If you're wondering whether I claim to be the Father, let me clarify that I do. 
Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm here to do His will, and we are working as one. And let's unpack some of the things that Jesus says uh, to us. So let's, uh, let, let's start uh, in, in verse 19. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of His own, of his own accord, but only what He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and, and shows Him all that He Himself is doing, and greater works than these will He show Him so that you may marvel. And, and, and we'll kind of unpack uh, the rest of this as we go. Let, let's let's kind of set it up. Jesus lived a life of sensitivity and submission to God the Father upon whom he did not hesitate to declare his total dependency. And you just you heard that in, in chapter 5, verse 19. We talked about that. Uh, you're going you're gonna to see it as he goes on in, in John 5, 30, as we get down to that when he says, by myself I can do nothing. If you want to look ahead, John 8, 28, write that down. We'll get to it later. John 8, 28, I do nothing uh, uh, on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. To say, uh, you also look at uh, at John uh, twelve uh, in verse forty nine. I did not speak of my accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. John fourteen ten. Don't you believe that I am the Father uh, and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own; rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing His work. So, so here's the example that Jesus is giving us clearly, not just what we're studying today, but we're going to keep hearing it throughout the Gospel of John, and you can find it uh, in other documentations. Jesus is saying clearly, I and the Father am one, and anything you see me do and anything you hear me say, I don't do anything and I don't say anything until the Father tells me what to do and say. I, I am speaking on behalf of the Father. We, we are one. And uh, so the thing that, 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 that hit me is, is so we as followers of Jesus, just like this, uh, uh, this, this curriculum that, that we've been working on with Andy Blanks from our church and also Brian Gill from the church, and we have the two devotions of how to be a man. And, and, and the first one was saying, well, if you really want to know the only flawless example of how to be a man is when God became one. And so we take on you know, the teachings of Jesus and, and the person of Jesus as that example. So if, that's, if, if we say well, we're followers of Jesus, here is Jesus, God incarnate, uh, we have to ask the question, do we then adopt the same sense, sensitivity that He is showing us here? Or are we equally submissive to the authority of God? Here's His example. He's saying, and you'll see this through all the way to the cross. He'll continue to say, I am here to do the will of the Father, period. So do, have we adopted that same sen sensitivity? You know, look at Philippians 2, write this down, Philippians 2, 5, 11. The Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Philippians that your attitude, talking about you and me, that our attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. So, so, so what attitude should we have? Well, we should have the attitude of Christ Jesus. So are we motivated by our own will and our own desires, uh, let me ask you this in your life, and, I, and I've been thinking, looking at this all week as I've been studying this, and asking myself some tough questions. Are you under God's authority, or are you under your own authority? I mean, do you really concentrate in your life and say, hey, God the Father, the great I am, 
You are the final authority. You, know, you think about Solomon at the end of his book of repentance, Ecclesiastes, when he says, at the end of the day, the whole role of man is to fear God and do what he says. So have you adopted in your life, have I adopted in my life, that when I get up and my feet hit the floor on a daily basis, I say to my Father in heaven, you, you live out your will for my life. I do everything under your authority, not my own. Well, that's exactly what Jesus is trying. Now, if there's anybody you would think you go, well, every now and then I go my own way. It would be Jesus. Since, but who does he say? Any authority I even have is only given to me by the Father. All I'm doing, I'm his mouthpiece. And uh, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Look at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Write that down. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We are told to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and to lead not on what? We don't lean on our own understanding. And this is these things in the Bible that so many times I overlooked. And that's that word all. See, I like to put the word some. You know, just, just like when Peter says, because the Lord is holy, you, you should also, and we should all, all, all be holy in all of our conduct. I, I would rather say some. Well, listen to what, what, what we're hearing in Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways Acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. So let me lay down point number two today that is extremely convicting. Could, could we look into our lives and honestly say that in all of our ways, the way we do everything, we do it to acknowledge God? Everything we do, we do to bring glory to God or to be in His will for His life. And how do we know His will? What's well, here. He, he's told us everything that He expects of us. He's told us who He is. He's told us what He's done to redeem us. He's told us, uh, he's told us everything about who He says that we should be. And certainly, as we've said all along, He also provides the power to be who He's called us to be. But remember, that's that thing we've studied for years in here. You know, we are saved by grace through faith, but that faith is a faith of action. Abraham didn't, didn't have a, a, a faith that brought salvation because he acknowledged that God wanted him to go. When, when, when did he show that he truly had faith? When he went. Noah didn't say, I believe it's going to rain, and I believe you're going to bring your wrath on the earth, and sat around and did nothing. When did he show that his faith was real? When he built it. So if we say that we have faith, and we say, well, I'm here to do, I'm, I'm here to do the will of the Father, could we look at our life and say that we acknowledge God in all of our ways? So this is something that, that Jesus is making clear, that that's who he is and saying, and that's who you should also be. I'm giving you an example. So if you look at uh, verses 20 and 23, let's unpack those a little bit. We just read some of them, but let's unpack it again. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all that He Himself is doing, and greater works than these will He show Him so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom He will. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. Hmm. So here's what he's saying. I'm the visible Christ representing the invisible God. So you hear what he's saying. Everything God is doing, He's working that through me. I will judge. I will raise the dead. All of this is by the power of the invisible God. So... Since the Father is Almighty God, 
I love this when Jesus says, greater works, meaning you, this healing that you're seeing. Remember the great thing to Nathaniel? You believed in me today because I, I told you where you were standing and, and you thought that was a really big deal that I knew what you were thinking and I knew what you were thinking. And he said, what? You ain't really seen anything yet. You're going to see greater things than these. So what, what Jesus is saying is, look, if you think you've seen the power of the Father, you haven't seen anything yet. We're going to do more than just heal a few people. We're going to redeem the world. And, and, and so he says also, he says that what he is going to do and what he's going to show us, God the Father is going to show his power through the Son. And he says the Father raises the dead through the Son. The Father will judge the world through the Son. Uh, if you want to see that too also, I know it's in verse 22 here, but if you want to see about the Father giving authority to Jesus to judge, read this very convicting uh, visual that we are given by Jesus in Matthew 25, 31, 46. Write that down, Matthew 25, 31, 46. If you've never read that, there's a lot of bad theology out there that leave this part out. This, this, is, this is when Jesus says, I'm just going to tell you exactly how it's going to look. I will separate the sheep from the goats. And those that end up being separated from me will be cast into the eternal fire. And he's saying things that, he, that, that, that you should see in the sheep. And he's saying, here's the things you are to see in the goats. And you know what he says? I have been, give, I have been given by my Father all authority in heaven and earth, and I will judge. I will, I will, I will judge all of mankind. And so uh, and also you can also see another one we'll get to later. Jesus is going to revisit this in John 8. 1 through 11, if you want to revisit that. Let me go ahead and, and check that before we get there. Uh, the Father receives honor through the Son. I love this line. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father. See, th this is, he, he's trying to make clear to who? The people who claim, well, I believe in Jehovah. I believe in the great I Am, but I reject you. And Jesus said, that's not an option. This is back to you know, the option being taken away that this Jesus person in history was some great teacher and theologian and kind of a, kind of a, a hipster, hippie type, and all we need is love, love, love is all we need because we're leaving out the judgment that he just talked about in Matthew 25. And, and, and we're you know, the thing about it, if, if, you, if you're looking at Jesus, the beautiful thing about Jesus is yes, Yes, he represents the grace and mercy and redemption of God the Father. Father, Without that, we got no hope. But what we can't do is to also say, but we do not accept you as representing God's wrath. That we don't accept. And, uh, and, and, and the reason why we don't want that is because it was interesting. I was listening to um, a man I have great respect for, Steve Farrar, and uh, now his Bible study that he does every Wednesday evening at his church in Texas is now available on podcasts, and I would highly recommend that to go to podcasts and, and search Steve Farrar. And he, he, and he was talking um, about uh, a, a well-known atheist, which I didn't know the, his name. I, I usually don't you know, keep up with my trading cards of the world's great atheist. But, but, and, and what the person was saying is, I have to acknowledge... I have to acknowledge that there's great evidence that God exists, but I don't want to go there because then if I ever come to the conclusion that he actually exists, then I'm going to have to kneel to his authority and his, his thing in his life. And I'm sure none of us can relate to this. He said, and if I do that, I can't live the sexual life I want to live. 
So what he's saying is, hey, I'm even acknowledging that you're probably out there, but I reject you. Because if I, if I ever have to come to the conclusion that you exist, I'm going to have to kneel to you, and I'm going to have to acknowledge your authority. And when I look at your authority, there are certain things that you forbid that I don't want to do without. I don't think you're better than that. I want to do whatever I want to do, and I don't want anybody telling me what to do. At least he's honest. Because a lot of people live that way, they just don't admit it. I certainly lived that way at one time. I, I was trying to find, there's, I was trying to find, there had to be some way that I could be, I could love Jesus, but then reject him all in the same life. And, uh, and what Jesus is saying is that option is not on the table. If you do not acknowledge me, so why this is important, watch out. Watch out for the false teachers. Watch out. If you, if, and you hear me say this a lot, but I want you to know this because to, to, be, to be straightforward with you, and I've learned this in my life, there's a lot of things that we can clearly see that are evil, and we clearly see them. And certainly they should be avoided. But where we have to get really, really careful is where Satan really makes the most ground, and that's when he's subtle. I, just a, they're just a little bit. Of, and, and, and since you haven't devoted a whole lot of time to it, Rick, how I used to be, you're not really going to notice when I take Jesus and change him just a little bit. But, now, he's great, and he's a good teacher, but I mean, he's not God. Uh, I mean, come on. And, and, you know, some of the things Jesus says, I mean, they're good things to live by. But, I mean, if you, if you, if you go on, I mean, he's also gracious. I mean, he, he's not going to tell you to live a certain way or have some standard for marriage or some standard for intimacy and some standard for how you handle this and how you do that. I mean, he's just, he's so wonderful and so loving and so gracious. Even if you blaspheme him, he's going to get any big deal. It's not like you're blaspheming God. You know, and that's where we get into this big man upstairs and all this kind of stuff as if we don't have, it's just kind of distant. It's, it's just kind of out there and we're glad it's there, but there's really no personal relationship between us and God and he's really not all that concerned about what we're doing. So that, that's that subtle stuff. And then you have people say, well, we believe in God and we believe that Jesus even went to the cross. But now you can't say Jesus and God are the same. This Trinity thing? Now, come on. Trinity? And see, and you think, well, everything else they're saying, though, sounds right. I mean, that's just a little, is that a big deal? It's a very big deal. Because if we take away the deity of Christ, and we take away the humanity of Christ, then that sacrifice on the cross, it wasn't it wouldn't enough. It wasn't done. And then we get into some code of conduct that we're trying to figure out as opposed to full, full righteousness. I told you about that dream I had a few months ago. It really rocked my world. I don't know whether Jesus was trying to make sure I understood that. And he says, I don't make people partially righteous. I make them fully righteous. So, so now let's move into verse 24 in chapter 5. 24 through 30. Let's read this. So in 24 through 30, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life, he does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. 25. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear it will live. For as the Father... For as, as the Father has life in himself, 
so has he granted the son also to have life in, in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment. We just talked about that because he's the son of man. Notice it's the first time that's mentioned in here. He is the son of God, but he's also the son of man. And we talked about that. Do not marvel at this. For an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. And then 30, he drives it home again. I can do nothing on my own as I hear I judge and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So so let's, let's unpack that a little bit. So now... What we find here, now this, this is going to get somebody's attention, even if you're dozing off a little bit, you're about to wake up. If you're listening, Jesus just gave you the secret of life. Do I have your attention now? Don't miss it. If you're wondering about life, here it is. The secret of life is filled with zest, enthusiasm, and purpose, not a life hampered by fears and frustrations. The secret, I love this, the secret is to what? To adhere and to listen to His Word and to believe the Father who works and speaks through the Son. This is the good news, eternal life that, it, that begins here and now. So Jesus is telling you, if you go ahead and understand who I am, I'm going to go ahead and bring, bring you redemption, not in the future. I'm going to bring you redemption Right now. Hey, eternity is standing before you right now. And, and listen to what he says. Listen to this again. It was wrote through 24 through 26. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is here now when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear it will live. For as the Father has life in Himself, so He has granted the Son also to have life in Himself. You know what He's saying to all of us? The secret of life is, I'm here. I'm God's voice. God has come to you when you couldn't come to to Him. Listen to what I say and do it. I love that we go back to the first miracle at the wedding of Canaan when Mary said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And I did get emails by saying apparently Mary couldn't do it, so she went to the person who could. So, 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 so we're, we're talking about listening. You know, remember, remember John 14, 15? We're going to teach the whole gospel of John, aren't we, in, in, the, in the first few chapters, all the others. If you love me, then obey my commands. Do what I say. So remember, he says, people who hear me, he said, those, the truth I say, if, if, you, if, you, if you hear what I'm saying and you actually believe it, which means you actually do it, because what have we said a thousand times? You know, if I told you that I believe that this stool would hold me and I keep telling you I believe in it, and I said, man, I really do believe in that stool. And you go, are you ever going to sit on it? Mm-mm. But I believe in it, I'll tell you that. He says, all of you who... who who hear what I'm saying and you actually believe it, you actually believe it, then you're not going to die an eternal death. I've come to say, hey, you want to live a life? Remember what he says, I say this so that you'll have peace. When you come into this world, you're going to face tribulation. 
But here's the beauty. When that tribulation comes, raise your hand if you ever had tribulation. Everybody. If some of you didn't raise your hand, I got bad news for you. It's coming. So, because Jesus said what in John 16, 33? I say this so that you have peace. In this world you will. Did anybody say, did Jesus say you might? Some, you will face tribulation because it's fallen, because of sin. But when you do, not if you do, but when you do, take heart, have joy in your heart, secret of life, because I've overcome the world. Hey, Rick, on your worst day, buddy, you deserve to go to hell and you're not. And this is not all there's ever going to be. You know, I've watched my wife say that to people grieving over and over again. She spoke at a luncheon yesterday. She's just such a wonderful job. And she always tells these crying mothers, this is not how it's always going to be. This is not, this isn't it. This is not how it's always going to be. But, but, Jesus goes on to say, but those who do not believe, those who do not believe will come into judgment. Remember, I remember when, when, when my pastor, if, yeah, and y'all might know my pastor, there was this, there was this great message that, that he did one time, and, and, and really, I know you're going to sound, this is going to sound, but it really was, and it was called, and the question we were asked is, do we smell like Jesus? Do you remember this? And so what it was is, and Jesus is talking about this. It's two different things if you're redeemed or not redeemed. When the Romans came back after conquering whoever they just conquered, to the Roman people, the incense and the celebration that you could smell was a joyful smell of victory. But to the people they caught, that they were bringing in to be prisoners and slaves and to be killed, it was the smell of death. And, you know, the Bible talks about this. The same thing that is good news to us, to the unredeemed, if they're not redeemed, and all of a sudden this moment comes when Jesus says, I'm going to call out the dead and all who hear my voice. And who do he say hears his voice? His sheep will be raised to eternal life. But those who have rejected him are being raised to eternal death. It's not the same good news. It's actually bad news. And so what he's saying is, I'm trying to let you know right now, and listen, this is what we got to understand. This really is going to happen. I know I spend a lot of my life, because all of us, as long as, as long as we got this flesh suit on, we tend to look out for ourselves. Maybe I'm the only one. But, but, but how that changes, I'm, I'm, what I celebrate a lot of times is the fact that I know that I've really been redeemed. There's nothing wrong with celebrating that because I want to be grateful. But at the same time, I've also got to be concerned and care that the same truth about my redemption is the same truth about the lost destruction. It really matters. I mean, this is a great gift that has been handed down, but to those who reject it, you know, as, as, as my wife talked about, and she talked about it again yesterday, when, when God was making it clear to her, look, you're going through a time of suffering. I'm going to give this little boy back to you, but I'm trying to set up something which you'll care about my children who, who reject me every day. And, and, and then when, once they reject me and they're cast into the lake of fire, I will never get them back. You know, when did we ever, it's time for us to not only be thankful for God and all he's done for us, 
but to turn it around and act like we care about Him. Are we concerned at all about God who has, has, has a, 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 a people who have rejected Him and He's saying, I'm offering redemption. And then we're saying to ourselves, well, I mean, that's good. I'm glad that you did, but uh, I know I'm in. See, that's caring about, because you say, well, I don't really care if people I don't know. I mean, but he does. He, he, he's told us, he said, look, Jesus is trying to teach us, don't care about the people the way you do. Care about people the way I do. And certainly, we can't save anybody. We can't save anybody. But, but we can be obedient to him, which is all he asks. He, he, he's the one who's provided. We can't redeem anybody, but we can tell about what, how we were redeemed. Right? And, 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 and where is that in priority? I'm going to tell you, God has put a, a real urgency on me is, is, is the fact that, hey, I don't have a lot of time left. Not on the big picture. I mean, my second cousin, I'll go do his funeral Friday, got up, going to work, started having issues, felt something going on, pulled off on the side of 459 and died. He just got up to go to work. So see, for him, and, and he was redeemed, praise the Lord, but for him, it really doesn't matter when they build a temple. For him, it doesn't really matter if Trump gets reelected. For him, it doesn't really matter who wins the ball games this weekend. Because guess when he met Jesus? Two days ago. And you know what? Here's the, the, you ever read the book, The Only Thing You Don't Get to Do in Heaven? It's evangelizing. It's over. Well, I mean, we're, we're, we're celebrated, but as far as how God can use us to reach the lost, once we're dead, or Jesus comes back, well, then the church age is over. And the faucet of grace is turned off, either as individuals, because now we've stepped into glory, or all of us, if it's when the return of Jesus happens, which he talks about. And um, so, so Jesus is saying that... Um, that it's very clear that there will be a time of a bodily resurrection. This will happen. If you have your Bible or, or something with your Bible on it, Jesus is talking about this, but there's a beautiful picture that Paul paints uh, in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. So, so go with me there uh, or write it down. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. And some of you are familiar with these verses, but it, it fits into what Jesus is saying here in John chapter 5. I love the title in my Bible says, The Coming of the Lord. And, uh, and it says this, he says in, in, in 16 and 14, well, I'm going to start in 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. And this verse I will read coming this Friday. Because you know what? When we bury the redeemed, we, don't, we do not grieve like burying the lost. You ever been to a funeral where we're burying somebody that's either lost or, it's a, or nobody really knows? You talk about a tragic situation. Tragic situation. So he says, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from who? From the Lord. That we are, who are alive, who are left unto the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who fall asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an, of, of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. 
then we who are alive, who are left, will be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Hey, don't ever forget that. This is not how it's always going to be. What about this picture Paul paints? It's really a beautiful picture, isn't it? But not for the lost. Not for the lost. Now, whether you're a, a pre-trib, post-trib, whatever you may believe, even if you believe that the, the lost, uh, you know, have a tribulation, it's clear that the Bible talks about that some will come to know the Lord in the tribulation, but it really says those who wait for that will all be martyred. Every one of them. I mean, thankfully something will happen. And, and anytime the Lord is talking about something that if his father extended it any longer, nobody would survive it, you, you really don't want that to be your plan. Because you may say that you probably would acknowledge the Lord during the tribulation, but that's one thing to say. It's another thing for somebody saying, you realize we're going to kill you right here and cut your head off if you don't renounce Jesus. And it says that every single one of them that do make it are all martyred. Hey, there's no need to work that plan. First of all, you don't know what you're going to do in a time of weakness, so don't, don't, no, nobody's plan should be, I'm waiting on the tribulation. What, what are the problems with that? You could be like my cousin and be dead tomorrow. Okay, which is likely to happen before you ever make it to the tribulation if y'all have looked at your birth certificates lately. Okay, so, 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 that, so that's, that's one reason why it's a bad plan. And the second plan is if you make it to the tribulation, you're just assuming you're going to be one of these people that accepts Jesus during that time, and then you stand there and won't renounce him while you're being skinned alive. Hey, that's a terrible plan. If, if you have not been redeemed by Jesus, do that now. Do that now. And you, you're, it doesn't mean your life's going to be easy, but I promise you, you'll be given a, a, a joy that is, that is indescribable, even in the worst of moments, which is what Jesus says. What is the key to life? Love the Lord and do what he says. So, so in verse 30, let's, let's look at it now. Verse 30. Um, I can do nothing on my own as I hear I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Now, I know that every one of us that, that hears this, uh, we're, we're, we think about the garden, don't we? I'm here to do the will of the Lord. Is there, is the, let this cup pass. Is, is there another way, but let your will be done, not mine? Jesus is making this clear long before he gets to the garden. He, he now moves to... to from trying to convince the, the audience that's listening to him. He's now moving from, I'm trying to convince you of who I am. Now I'm trying to convict you of who I am because he's speaking to a Jewish audience here and he's emphasizing his total dependence upon the father who commissioned him to come. He's trying to tell these Jewish people, I'm telling y'all know who I say I represent. Y'all know that my father said that I would be here. I am who, the, who the, the scriptures have told you, and I'm here, and I'm here to do the will of him. If you, can't, if you can't handle me, I'm trying to tell you you're not rejecting me. You're rejecting him, the God you claim to worship. I'm here to do his will. And then to try to, to get them... Convicted, he now goes, starts to use the Old Testament against them uh, because he's now going to move in with 31 through 47. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to produce five witnesses. Now, why is he doing that? He's going to remind them of the value that they put on testimony according to the law of Moses 
And the law of Moses required that there be at least two and a preferred three witnesses to anything for it to be considered of, 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 of truth. And so Jesus is now trying again. He's going to Deuteronomy 9.15. One witness is not enough to convict a man accused of any crime or offense. He may have committed a matter must be established by the testimony of two to three witnesses. So he's going to roll out five. Jesus is now going to roll out five witnesses to who he is. And the first one that he starts out with is in the verses 32 and 37, and that is the Father himself. The Father testifies about the Son. Look, look what he says. Um, if I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not deemed true. Why is he saying that? What we just read. You're not going to believe it if I say I'm the only one that says I am who I am. So I'm going to tell you what. Look at 32. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. And right there he's talking about the Father, and he'll talk about the Father again in 37. I'm skipping the John the Baptist part because that's going to be our next witness. But in 37, look at this. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen. You know what he's saying? I'm the visible representing the invisible. My Father has told you about me. So witness number one is God the Father. So that's witness number one. Look at witness number two, John the Baptist. We, we find this also here in uh, 33 and 35. So, so look what he says about John the Baptist in 33. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. And then uh, he says, but, but not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. Back to John. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. So he says, witness number two, that I am who I say I am, the Father. By the way, that's a big one. Witness number two, y'all do remember John the Baptist, don't you? And for a while, he was a burning lamp. Y'all got caught up in what he was saying. And he, he kept pointing to me. You know what he, who he said I was, but I got news for you. Me being here talking to you now is, is, is a bigger deal, a bigger deal about uh, what John did and I'm here to tell you that what John said was true, and you bore witness to this. And how about this? You said you love truth, and I am the truth that John talked about. So witness number two is John. Here he gets into witness number three. Uh, and, and verse 36, the next witness is Jesus himself. Uh, witness number three, look at verse 36. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John, for the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. What did he say? The signs. The Father has told you about me. John the Baptist told you about me. And look at the people I've healed. Look at the things I've done. These signs are a witness. So now he's got three witnesses. So he could stop there. Just like he could, we'll get in the next chapter, he could have just fed the 5,000 and said, everybody got enough? But no, we got 12 baskets full over here. He always goes beyond. You know, remember, we, we always expect so little of God. You know, I, I, we had uh, Dave, uh, David Potier come and speak at our GIC last year, and he did a message about that. I, mean, I, I thought it was great when he goes, look, pray bigger than help me to get home. He goes, God, he helping you to get home? I, hey, he don't have to sweat. I mean, getting you home, how about this? Just don't drive like an idiot. You can probably get that done. He said, ask, ask for things that, 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 that only God can do. 
And what he's saying is now I'm going to give you not three witnesses, I'm going to give you five. So then he goes to the next witness, verse 39, and what is that? The Scriptures. Look at 39. Hey, y'all should know the Scriptures. He says... Um, and, and the Father who sent me, uh, this is in 37, uh, has himself borne witness about me. We talked about his voice you have never heard or seen. Look at 38. And you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. So first of all, he says, okay, you're going over here and you're saying you believe Scripture and you think Scripture holds, holds uh, you know, uh, all you need to know about eternal life. Scripture keeps telling you that I am the, the way you achieve eternal life. So the, the Father is a witness. John the Baptist is a witness. My signs are a witness. And the very Scriptures that you claim to know bear witness about me and you're rejecting it. You claim to believe Scripture, but you don't believe what Scripture says about me. Hey, this is not the first time that's been a problem. I don't know how many times... Have you ever heard some of these messages these days at places that claim to be church? You're like... They claim to, to, that they're sitting here saying, well, look, we're going by Scripture, and then they say things about Jesus that are not scriptural. Right? Right. This is how things happen when, 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 we, you know, when we have people saying things just like the standard for marriage that God said in the beginning that it's not good that humans were alone as opposed to it's not good that man was alone. Are, are we, uh, we, we, we believe the Scriptures. Well, Jesus said that I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Well, we don't believe that. Well, if, 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 you, if now Scripture comes into doubt, are you, you claim, you, I, I believe in Scripture, except for the stuff I don't believe. I mean, see, you, you can't, that, that's, that, no, there, I lived like that at one time. Or either I believed in Scripture and I just wasn't afraid of it. I, I mean, you know, maybe that was it. I don't know, if you think about it, I probably would have made more sense to say, well, I just don't believe any of that. At least my life would have been more consistent. What's weird is we claim to believe it and then reject it. I mean, and, and that's what Jesus is saying. He says, look, and you have, you do not have his word abiding in you. You claim to. I've been looking through Scripture a lot, and you know what? I've been finding an awful lot in Scripture, and I've, I've, got, I've got, got to do some messages, and it's like God keeps taking me back to this. It's like I went through a whole period of my life where everywhere I turned, I seemed to see the word integrity, which I realized God was saying, you don't have any. You really need to work to get your integrity back. You've really damaged your integrity. I'm here to restore you and redeem you, but you're going to have to really work to get your integrity back because you've lived such a life that had no integrity. And so I knew that that was the order of the day that God had mandated, hey, you need to work on integrity. Well, now, you know what I keep seeing everywhere? Abide. Everywhere. Those, those who abide don't make these mistakes. Those who abide live a life that's holy. Those that abide don't live in perpetual sin. When God's seed abides in your spirit, it's so powerful, you can't remain unchanged. And here's Jesus using it again. What does it mean to abide? Do you know what that means? It, it's staying in it. Yeah, you, I mean, it, 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 never, it never ceases. 
you don't, you don't, you don't sit there and, and take like these headphones and say, these headphones, this is God, this is my relationship with Jesus. And right now, but now I'm getting, oh, here comes my part of my life. Oop. Put that over there. Over here, this is this life I'm living that I'm not abiding in God. Well, I don't know if any of you are, are, are currently trying that plan. From someone who's tried it in the past, if you stop abiding in God and you go over and say, I'm going to abide in the flesh and I'm going to abide in the spirit, the flesh will win. Because that's the home team. And, you know, Jesus is not a beggar. He says, I, I, ha I have all the power you could possibly need, but you're going to have to abide in me. And here's what I noticed. How many of you know a lot about the things you abide in? I mean, I, I know a lot about it. And that what's beautiful is I've noticed as I've done that, not a code of conduct, not legalism, not burdensome, things are changing about me that I have nothing to do with. Hey, Rick, why don't you do fill in the blank anymore? I don't know. I just don't. Not, well, I've established this incredible self-control lately. I guess I've just gotten stronger. No, I've actually gotten weaker is what's happened. It is self is finally dying. And as I've abided in Christ, I found him to be so wonderful. You know, it's, it's, like, it's like in my days when I struggled with my eating. Have you ever truly sat down and opened up a sleeve of Oreos? and said, one's good. Why do you keep eating it? Man, it really tastes good. And, uh, and, and you know that by four or five that, that you've, you've far surpassed any of it you should have done. Now, you, you know the biggest problem with fat people, and I'm a, I'm a person who struggles with my weight, so I can speak to this. You all think it's an appetite thing with us. It has nothing to do with it. If I only ate when I was hungry, I wouldn't be fat. I've never stopped for a milkshake because I was hungry. I stop for a milkshake because it tastes good. I've got a third helping because it tastes good. I'm not hungry anymore. I'm eating for taste. That's how we get fat in general. So, but with Jesus, because he didn't put on calories, the beautiful thing about Jesus, if you truly experience him, you will keep going back for more, not just because you're hungry, which I hope you are for him, and I am, but because it tastes so good. It works, doesn't it? He actually is who he says he is. How about that concept? He actually transforms people. And so I like that we're getting to the point over these years we've been studying is that when we say that we live a life in conflict with Jesus, that that's possible, that just doesn't say much about the power of Jesus. And Jesus is saying, look, you claim to abide in the Scriptures, but if you had abided in the Scriptures, as soon as I walked on the scene, you would have said like John the Baptist, behold the Lamb of God. You wouldn't be trying to cut my legs out from under me because you think I'm about to take away y'all's power. You don't like the things I'm saying because if you really abided in the Scriptures, you would have known about me. So we've got a witness from the Father, a witness from John the Baptist, a witness from the signs that Jesus is doing, witness from the Scriptures, and then, of course, here's one that they really weren't ready for. You know how sometimes if you really know how to do something, you save the big hit for last? Guess who he's about to bring out as witness number five? Watch out! Moses! Oh, now we're going to bring Moses out to all these religious leaders. Oh, oh yeah, Moses was talking about me. Moses was also uh, a witness. Now look at this in verse 46 and 47. This is really beautiful here. He says, for if, um, let, let's, let's start before that in 45. Do you think that I will accuse you to the Father? There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believe Moses... 
you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Oh, now Moses. How about this? In order for mankind to be fully convinced of his love and his plan for their redemption, God will go after you by all possible means. Jesus saying, does the witness, does the witness of the Father, does that hold any water with you? Does the witness of John the Baptist, does that have any water? What about, what about the signs? What about the scriptures? Still not with me? What about Moses? I mean, you all talk about that you love Moses, and, and Moses is it. He says, but Moses talked about me. I love when he goes back up here before we get to Moses, and he says, Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I've come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own, own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from, from the only God? Do you not think that I will accuse you to the Father? You know what he's saying is, let me tell you why you don't like me. Because you want glory from man. You're more concerned about the applause of the people and the power that you have received by being these religious leaders. That, and you're so caught up in that that you won't even receive me because you think now glory is going to be to me and not to you. I love this line when he says, you think I'm not going to accuse you to the Father. Hey, can I tell you this? You don't want Jesus to say to your life or to my life, I see the way you reject me, and I'm going to tell the Father on you. When he comes to me and says, the authority I've given you, son, tell me who's with us and who's not, I'm going to tell him you're not. If you reject me, you've rejected the Father. All the Father needs to hear from me is that you reject him. And he says, and you, you want the applause of mankind. I love that he says, I'm not looking to receive glory from people, but I know that you are. Now, what, what would that say to your life and to mine? Let's just be honest. And y'all have heard me tell this story before, but I, but I remember it vividly with one of my sons that, that played football in college, and they had won the national championship the year before, and the first game of the next season, they're behind to an inferior team, and the crowd boos them in the second quarter. Just had a parade in the spring. And so when it was over, my son came out, and he was excited because they did put together like a miraculous comeback. And he was really excited because this year he was playing even more than the year before. And I said, what did you learn today? Well, I learned never to give up. I said, that's not what we learned today. You know, that, that's, that's a nice little coaching thing from the world, never give up. I said, but that's not what we learned today. And then he stopped and he looked at me. I said, what did you learn about people today? He said, I learned that the same people that give you a parade in the spring will boo you in the second quarter of the next year. I said, well, you better not be playing for them. You better be playing for an audience of one. You better be living your life for an audience of one. I better be living my life for an audience of one. If the world gives us all the glory and all the applause, 
but, 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 but the audience of one, God the Father, isn't, then the only moment of eternity you're ever going to experience is when human beings are clapping for you and telling you you're a big deal. But your eternity, you'll spend completely separated from God in eternal damnation. And that little moment of applause is not going to mean a whole lot to you or me. But if the world's rejecting us and we can't seem to please them for any long period of time, but, but, but God the Father and that audience of one is saying, that one belongs to me. That one is concerned about receiving my applause, not to earn salvation, but by the way they live their life in appreciation for salvation, they keep pointing glory to me and they want my approval. And sometimes people's approval and God's approval will line up together and that's a great little moment. But, but people are fickle. People are fickle. You, know, you can go to any of these, these, these places of idolatry, these football stadiums, places where they've been playing football for 200 years, which that's a lot of football players. You know who you'll find immortalized on the stadium? 20? 10? And it's kind of sad when you see those kind of broken down men coming back, looking at their statues, looking at their pictures, and that's all they got. And they watch that audience move on to the next athlete, to the next big thing. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Everybody's All-American. Real sad movie. Because in, in the moment, he actually is pretty humble. And in the moment, he has it all in the proper perspective. Everybody thinks he's a big deal, but that's not what he wants to be identified as. He's just trying to be a regular guy, good teammate. But then as the glory of it begins to go away... Then he turns into that sad guy whose identity was as that football player. And he never could find his identity as a husband, find his identity as a father. And he certainly wasn't finding his identity as a follower of Jesus. And he kept clinging for that glory. And now he's become embarrassing because he's bringing up his stories now. When at one time he let other people do it. And you know why? Because he just craved for that applause that he couldn't get anymore. The world will move on. Let me tell you, this right here, this Rick and Bubba thing, it's going to be over. And the next show that everybody likes will take our place, and we will be moved into radio history. And there'll come a time you'll bring up the Rick and Bubba show, and if they're a certain age, they won't have any idea what you're talking about. But, but... If somebody says, you may not have ever heard of that show, but one day I was listening to it, and they start talking about Jesus. And I was going to hell, and I pulled off on the side of the road, and I gave my life to Jesus that day. See, that'll be eternal. And the rest of it won't mean anything. Bubba and I have never been given an award by our industry, which I think says a lot of good things about us. <laughs> because the things that they award we probably don't want to be part of anyway but at the end of it all all that's going to matter about this place you're sitting in right now is what we're doing right now this is what's important and, and this is what is the goal for us to 
to, to look into the lives of individuals and just say, Jesus changed us, and I know that he can change you. So as we wrap up and we hear what Jesus says about himself all through chapter 5, we have to ask, our, ask ourselves some questions. What God is saying through Jesus, what he's saying about all these witnesses, if you have your Bible, turn to the book of Hebrews. And then we'll close today. What, what he's saying is if you take all this, this that he just showed you and you reject it, to ignore these testimonies will result in the rejection of the Son and what he has done for us. Look what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Long, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Look at 2. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Now turn over to Hebrews chapter 3, and let's look at verse 12. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. And I'll go to 13. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. 14. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. So the writer of Hebrews says, there was a time he spoke to us through the prophets but then he's, he's, he's speaking to us through the Son. And then he goes into chapter 3 and he says, Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, meaning you're rejecting Jesus. That's who he says he is, leading you to fall away from the living God. You know what the writer of Hebrews is saying? Hey, this stuff that Jesus said, it's big. And be sure you get it, because if you reject it, you're rejecting redemption. You're rejecting salvation. You're taking what God did through Jesus, and you know what you're saying? No, thank you. We reject you, Jesus. And if we reject Jesus, we reject the one and only living God. And if we reject the one and only living God, we have no hope. We have no hope. And if you do that, as we said last week, as opposed to saying it won't always be like this, if you reject the living God and you reject the redemption in Jesus, not only will it always be like this, it will only get worse. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the day. Thank you for this word. Thank you for the grace. Thank you for the mercy that you've shown us. Lord, we sit here together as one and, and people who are watching and, and listening right now. We, we assess when Jesus is talking to, to the crowd about himself. We take all these questions today and we ask ourselves, where do we stand? Where do we stand in, in our acceptance? and our embracing of Jesus Christ as you incarnate, 
or do we reject him? Thus losing the presence of you the, through, through the third part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, meaning we have pushed away from you, the one and only living God. Lord, may we never take your grace and mercy and abuse it, and may we never reject it. May we decide today that we will abide in your scriptures. We will abide in you. And Lord, and through us abiding in your power, we submit to you. And your power transform us into people we can't even recognize. Thank you, Lord. May you receive the glory. And may it be your approval that we seek. Not to earn salvation, but because of salvation. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Hey, this is Rick, and that concludes this week's Bible study. Thank you so much for being with us. If you'd like to go back and hear other Bible studies, or maybe some that you've missed even in this series, you can find them by clicking the media button at BurgessMinistries.com.